Amen. Amen. And I hear people are returning to Tanzania, right? In a few hours' time. Mm, okay. Okay. Amen. We shall be releasing you with God's grace. Amen. The Ephesus church released Paul with grace. Full of grace. Amen. Uh, the coming together is a joyful time. It is the living part that is usually not very good. I remember when we used to, you know, I escort those aunties of ours. Those days we used to have the train. One of the rules was that you wave until the train disappears. You wave. <laughs> you wave. Of course, they, they will not be seeing you, but uh, it was unwritten call that you wave. Mm. These modern kids don't know how to escort people. Hmm? They tell you, we'll talk. I was telling you, bye-bye. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We are still in the book of First Peter, yeah. chapter, um, chapter 1. We looked at our identity. It's good we, looked at, we look at a few things before we release the Tanzanians. Just have a little dose, right? Amen. Glory, glory. Amen. So we looked at our identity, who we are. Because before you meet any challenge, you need to know who you are. Okay? You need to identify who you are. And your identity is seen in God. Because you cannot know who you are until you know whose you are. Our identity is in God. The Bible says, so that the manifold wisdom of God may be known to principality and his powers by the church that reveals his purpose. Verse 9 of Ephesians 3 tells us that his purpose was hidden in Christ. Right? That the purpose for my life is hidden in Christ. So how do I discover my purpose? By knowing Christ. The more I know Christ, the more my purpose becomes clear. Because my purpose was hidden in Christ. Hallelujah. So our identity is so good. Before, before Peter tells us, remember Peter, Shimon. Shimon, which is Simon, later converted to Peter, Petros, uh, is writing to these churches that are scattered, isn't it? We said uh, Pontus, we say Galatia, Cappadocia, we say where? Asia, and we say where? Hmm? Come on, you're helping me. You are, you are the students in that class. Huh? Be eh? Bithynia. So those, all those regions are receiving, is writing to the pilgrims of the dispersion, isn't it? The people that are scattered abroad. And we said that we are pilgrims. One of identities that we are sojourners. We are strangers. So we cannot live as if we are permanent. But we are sojourners. We are uh, 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 pilgrims of the dispersion. In other words, we are passing through. 
we are passing through. And the Lord has, has put us in a privileged place. So once we know who we are, then we continue to understand whatever we go through is, is not permitted to extinct us because it has no power. Our citizenship is different. Amen. In other words, we are made of a different material. We are made of a different material. And there is a purpose why we go through what we go through. Because nothing can happen to a believer without the permissive will of God. So when he allows it to come, it means there is something better. And remember, the devil is always ten steps behind what God is doing. Hmm? Ten steps behind what God is, is doing. Now, after knowing our identity, we need to know our new life. Our new, there, there are certain things that are going to characterize our new life a few things that are going to characterize our new life. And, and Shimon is telling the church of dispersion. And you must understand this guy that is speaking. This guy that is speaking went through everything, been there, done that. Hmm? So when he's telling them to be strong, he's talking about Peter who denied Jesus three times. Peter who ran away. Peter who was telling a maid, I do not know what you're talking about. So... When this guy t tells you something, you better believe it. Hmm? Better believe it. So, your new life, your new life is characterized by the following. Number one is the status of your faith, is the nature of your faith. Hmm? The nature of your faith. How is your faith going to be characterized? You see, Abraham is known as the father of faith, isn't it? But Genesis 22 said, after these things, the Lord tested Abraham. In other words, there is a testing that comes with faith. This faith is going to be characterized, we're looking at number one, faith, the nature of your faith. And these are the things that are going to characterize your faith. Number one is called manifold temptations. Manifold temptation. And he has told us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that no, no, one, no temptation has befallen you such as is not common to man. Isn't it? But with every temptation, what shall God do? Yes. For God is faithful, who shall not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear? Yes. What you can bear. So with every temptation, you shall weigh your capacity and say, this capacity is high, let me open the window for him to escape. But what you can conquer, you just conquer. And he says, do not... Uh, in fact, he says, do not be surprised by what you go through because many others are going through your brothers in far-flanked regions are going through what you're going through. So you are not alone. Your brothers are going through that. So he said, manifold. He said, for you rejoice, though temporarily, isn't it? Because you are going through manifold temptations. And temptations 
the Bible tells us God does not tempt anyone. But remember, temptations is our way of graduation. Is our means of promotion. There is no promotion without a test. Right? So every time you... That's why the Bible tells us about the disposition of a believer in our faith. So remember that the seed is faith. The seed is faith. The platform is what we call, number one, manifold temptation. Number two is called fiery trials or myriad trials. Now listen to me. Temptations, I think we looked at that one time, isn't it? Temptation trials and tribulations. That temptations are brought in by the enemy, isn't it? To make you fall. But trials is the test of your capacity. Yeah? When a player is ready to be taken to another league or a club, he's taken to what we call trials. When you want to go and compete in Olympics, the national team gathers for trials. Trials is not to eliminate you, but to see your resilience, your capacity, what you are able to bear. So trials are brought, tests are brought to you by the Almighty God to, to promote you to the next level. Eh? That is why he says, because of your fiery trials, they bring what? They give birth to what? Come on, you're, you're looking at your Bibles. They look, bring down praise and honor to God. In other words, you are going through trials, fiery trials, bring honor and praise to God. Because he's not tra trying you to, to break you or to make you fall. No. He, he's preparing you for a certain work, but he's, he wants to see at what level, what can you be able to handle. Fiery trials. Trials. So remember the seed is what? Faith. The platform is what? Manifold temptations, fiery trials, and the invisibility of God. Number three. He says, even though you do not see him, yet you love him. Right? <laughs> now look, my brothers and sisters. God is taking you to another level that, see, you will not see things. But you see, even in your invisibility, you still love him. Even though, even if he cannot deliver us, we will not. Because we love him. Because <laughs> we have graduated beyond what we can see. Did you know that the Bible says the signs are for the Gentiles, in, in, uh, meaning for unbelievers? But you reach a place as a believer that you love God. That's why the Bible says, I write to you children because your sins have been forgiven, isn't it? I write to you young men because you are strong, you have overcome the world, and the word of God dwells in you. But I write to you fathers because you have known him from the beginning. Huh? 
1 John chapter 1 verse 12. I write to you fathers because you have known him. That means you know God. You don't need a sign. You don't need a miracle to know that he's faithful. You don't need a sign to know that he keeps his word. You don't, know, you, you don't need something to show that God is present. Uh -uh. You know that the word tells us that he has come and has abode in me. I believe it. And I love him for it. I don't need to feel funny to know that he's with me. Yeah? yeah? So the invisibility of God, even though you have not seen him, yet you do what? You believe. Uh-huh. Now, listen. There is something out of the three, this platform, the platform of manifold what? Temptations, fiery what? And the invisible? Our disposition towards everything is called rejoice. He says, you rejoice yet temporarily, though you are going through myriad of what? Temptations. He says, though you are facing fiery trials, but you rejoice, isn't it? Yes. You rejoice. My disposition towards what I'm going through is rejoicing. It's joy in my heart. There's a song children sing called Joy. There is joy, joy, joy in my heart. Eh? Mm. 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 Uh, you know, there are, yes, there are a lot of uh, believers uh, missed Sunday school, my brother. Mm. Mm. God rescued them after they'd gone through terrible things. Eh? Mm -hmm. They didn't have the foundation. <laughs> so, my disposition was what? Rejoice. Rejoice. The fiery trials. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, for the joy that was set before him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. He huh? says, therefore, have, since we have, have this what? Cloud of witnesses. Let us do what? And every sin that easily entangles us. And let us run with what? With patience. The race that is set before us. Who for? Looking unto who? Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, for the joy that was set before him. He did what? Despising what? And where is he seated? Yes. Looking unto. For the joy that was set before him. There was joy that was set before him. That was his disposition. No matter what he went through. Eh? The crown of thorns. But he was seeing a crown that was going to come. The joy that was set before him. And Romans 8.18 tells us that what we are going through for the present suffering cannot be compared by what? The glory that is yet to be revealed. There's glory that is yet to be revealed. So there will be fiery trials, 
There will be manifold temptations. There is sometimes that we are going to move through life not seeing God. We wonder in this situation, where is God? You know, there are sometimes you really see God. Ah, see, you come to church and say, Me yesterday, I saw God. See, Nicole? Yeah? There are times, Titus, you see God. And you tell people, Me, I've seen God, isn't it? And sometimes when we see God, it's shallow, shallow interpretation. And because you went to an interview and you received a call, you are the successful one, and I've seen God. No, very shallow interpretations. But there are sometimes you don't see God at all. But he said, even though you do not see him, yet you believe in him, and you do what? You rejoice. Hey. <laughs> Look at this word. This word is powerful. Powerful. Rejoice. For the joy that was set before him. Looking at our firstborn brother, Jesus Christ, his, his heart was joyful. Always joyful. Heart was joyful. His heart was joyful. Remember, once you surrender yourself to God's will, he strengthens you. Jesus was at Gethsemane struggling about, let this, this cup pass, let this cup pass, let this cup pass, and he was feeling weary, and drops of blood was coming upon him. And then he reached a place, he said, not my will, but yours. And the Bible says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to strengthen him. Because the strengthening will only be present after you've surrendered. Mm. When you're still working with your own strength, ah, there is no help. When you're still working in your own opinion and your own purpose. But when you surrender, you say, God, now I release myself to your purpose. There must be a strengthening. There must be a strengthening. Now, that is faith. That is faith. Then we come to number two. The privilege of salvation. The privilege. It's an, we're talking about our new life. Our new life. The privilege of salvation. The privilege of salvation. Look at where we are. Look. Number one, it talks about the prophets. Huh? <laughs> I pray that you receive revelation. It's talking about prophets. Peter is telling you, look, where you are and what you have, my brothers and my sister. There are prophets who, number one, inquired and searched. The kind of searching and inquiring those people did, most believers have not even tried. You don't even know where Obadiah is. You don't even know where Nahum is. Hmm? You are walking with those pills that maybe you are given. John 3.16 For God searching. But these people searched. Searching, inquiring, 
carefully, diligently, devotedly searching. What were they searching? Number two, the time. Because their eyes had seen salvation. This salvation, they'd seen this salvation. They are inquiring what time. Eh? And number three, there is something that they were desiring. They were desiring that this would happen in their time. Eh? Desiring that it would happen in their time. But the spirit revealing to them that it would only happen in our time. Isn't it? It says, no, that this... <laughs> Look, it's like your father. Or let me use your mother. Prepared something very nice. And then he was wondering, so what time do we sit to eat? He says, no, this one is preserved for. No, no, my son went to school. That one. I'm waiting for him to come. So would you imagine Abraham, Isaiah? Would you imagine all the prophets during that time, Jeremiah, the mighty prophet, saying, with the move of God, Elijah and Elisha, saying, why don't we have the full revelation of this thing? He says, no. It's going to happen to be revealed in their time. There are people that are going to be so privileged to see this thing. So the privilege of our salvation is that we are in the season of the highest revelation. We are living at the epitome, the best of what God has provided through his creation. Forget about Abraham. Forget about the patriarchs. What they did is a shadow. Hebrews tells us, for the, Moses was, was operating under what we call the fading glory. Isn't it? But now we have what we call an abiding. There are times when they were living before the manifestation of Christ. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of what? Of the glory of God. Of the glory of God. All have sinned. Romans 3.23. But when you look at Romans 5.2, tells us now we rejoice. We rejoice. For what? For the glory. We have now not fallen short by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now we rejoice in a place called the glory place. Because we have entered into the place of grace. Isn't it? We have entered into this place called grace. Now we, have, we are not condemned and guilty and worried about the glory of God. Because then the children of Israel, when you have, if you would have sinned, the glory of God was a consuming fire. Everybody would see the glory of God will be dead. That's why Isaiah, uh, no, the, the children of Israel told Moses, we cannot approach God's glory because we have sinned. But now, look, in the new covenant, we rejoice at the appearing of God's glory. Why? Because <laughs> now Jehovah God has taken the sin from us. Now we can approach the throne of grace with confidence.
Now, the glory of God is not consuming. It is lifting. It is enriching. It is refreshing. That's why he said, we rejoice for the hope of his glory. Anytime we think of the manifestation of the glory of God, we rejoice. Because it's now an empowering thing. Hmm? Now, now let's look. Number three is the, our, our new conduct now. Our new conduct. Because huh? it was the new faith now, then a new life. It's now our conduct. And our conduct is, is very interesting. The Bible now tells us to guard what? The loins of your mind. And there are two ways you guard the loins of your mind. Number one, by being sober. And number two, by what? Hopefully. To the end. That means you have hope to the end. Now, uh, if you are, permit me just a little bit to engage your imagination. Because sometimes we do not engage your imagination. You see, it says, guard your what? Loins. What is your loins? Do you know where your loins are? Hmm? Where are your loins? Guard your loins. In other words, the language used there is like, clothe yourself. Put on something, isn't it? Guard your loins. It means your mind is dressed up. In other words, dress up your mind. Do you know of all the things that Jesus tried to do on the earth was to change the mindset of people? Of the former triatites, Acts chapter 1 verse 1, have I written to you, O most excellent who? Theophilus, of the things that Jesus began both to do and to teach. To do and to teach. He was teaching them. The Bible says, and he looked, Jesus looked at the multitudes. And he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd, he did not start a welfare program. The Bible says, and he gathered them and did what? Taught them. What was he doing? He was changing their thinking. Of anything that you need to do as a believer is to work on your mind. Your fight, your battle is in your mind. When you change your mind, you change the way your life is. I beseech you therefore, Romans 12 verse 1, by the mercies of God, not to conform to, but be... Chapter 12, verse 2. The word that, remember, conform is only used twice in the scriptures. To conform to the pattern. That means do not order yourself, fashion yourself according to the order of this world. But the Bible tells us in Colossians that conform to the image of who? That means be formed together with, in the shape of Christ. 
Now, do not take the shape of this world, the system, the order, the thinking, the way of life of this world, but be transformed. That is why we might have many visions, many missions, but the overarching purpose of God on the face of the earth is that we conform to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There is no other, there is no other purpose for human being than to grow to be like Christ. And the changing agent of man to the image of Christ is called the Holy Spirit. That's what he works in us. The NLT tells us that he, he, he is at work within you to form your desire and to cause you to act in a way that is pleasing to God. That means he's working on your desires, so that you desire God. So he says, guard the loins of your mind. Most problems that you are going through can be traced to the level of your mindset. To the level of what? That is why Jesus spent time with the 12 disciples just changing their minds. Changing how they are thinking. Who is great among us? He says, no, 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 no. Whoever wants to be great, you have been told, Matthew 20, 20, you've been told in this world that the Lord over this world, Lord it over their subject. It shall not be for you like so. For he that would want to be great in the kingdom must be a servant of all. Mindset. Who shall be great? Who shall sit on your right and your left? He says, no. Hey, are you ready to partake of the cup with which I will partake? But for, to give the seats in the kingdom is not of me, but my father is the one that giveth. These people have annoyed us, has called us names, have rejected our ministry. They don't want to see us, these people of Samaria. Can we, like, like Elijah, call fire to fall upon them? He says, shh, you do not know what manner of spirit you are made of. Change your thinking. Change your thinking. Change your thinking. Who shall be rich in the kingdom? Who shall be great in the kingdom? The kingdom of God is like a man who went on a journey and called his, his men, his servants, and to one he gave five talents, another one two talents, another one one talent. He says, once you change your attitude, how to handle what you have, the resources that you have, to multiply them. Huh? It is not how much you scream. Fall on me, I receive. No, it's the change of your mindset. Africa has been known to claim so much, to confess so much. But between what you confess and what you think, it is your thought that are supreme. 
scream no, however much and however loud you want but if your thinking has not been transformed how many people scream i am blessed but they don't think like that they don't know i'm blessed i have plenty but they have a scarcity mentality i am the winner but they have a defeated mindset I am triumph. I have overcome. But they have a victim mentality. It is your thinking. Once you change your... That's why you need to guard and be sober because the enemy is interested with your mind. With your mind. Everything we interact in life with, we filter them through the lenses of our mind. That's why I've told you here. You determine who affects your life. Huh? It is in your power. A drunkard cannot be walking at the side of the road, then you meet him and he calls you stupid and it affects your life. It is the lenses of your life. You determine what affects you. Hmm? What has killed us is not generational altars. It is our thinking. Did you know when the Bible says about spiritual forces and strongholds? Strongholds are in your mind. Once you have a stronghold of not loved, there is nothing people will do. People might even come and say, I love you so much. He says, oh, you are, you are not serious. You are just joking with me. Hmm? Why are you laughing? <laughs> Do you know if you are suspicious, you don't want people to laugh around you? Hmm? Or even to celebrate? When you are suspicious? Just, just enter a crowd of people with whom you are not in good terms with. And they stop talking. All of a sudden, it's all about you. They have stopped because of you. But listen, once you enter a crowd that you think in your mind, they love you, they celebrate you, when they stop, you think, my God, what a privilege. They have stopped so that now they can receive me. You see, that it's the same thing. The reaction is different. Even the driest of grasses you can wear the nice lenses that should be green. And you can feed. But no matter how green the grass is, if you have brown glasses, they will tell you those who are, are dry. Is the mind, is the mind. If that is why whatever we feed in, whatever we feed on, is affecting the capacity, the quality of our mindset. It's about our mindset. It's the view we have. Nothing else. The quality of life is determined by the level of your mindset. The quality of relationships you have is all about mindset. It's all about One group 
Ten people came to Moses and said, we have seen giants in that land. Ah, we don't know have the powers. Two people came to Moses and said, we are well able. The Lord is with us. We are well able. The ten plus their tribe disappeared in the wilderness. And the Lord rotated them for 40 years so that they are all dead before Caleb and Joshua can cross over. Hmm? It's all about mindset. The quality of life you lead is about mindset. Have you ever asked yourself why the greatest battle right now we are fighting today, the greatest problem right now is called mental health? Have you ever asked yourself, mental health? Even right now, the most, um, what, what, what shall we call, responsive, responsive ministries and churches are creating a department called mental health department. Ministries and gifts that do not, are not even in the Bible. Hmm? And when we do not speak about that, they think, oh, you are not responsive. You are not responsive to... But tell, let me tell you, once you understand the scripture, because if you go to the sources of mental health problems, they, they are solving the scriptures. It's about who am I. It's about my identity. It's about how I feel about myself. It's about the hopelessness. The Bible is telling us, have hope to the end. Hope to the end. In other words, he says, why should you have to the end? Because he's going to be rewarded, isn't it? The glory is going to come. And suicide is a state where one believes that there is no hope. Life will never be better tomorrow. Isn't it? It said the end of the road. There's nothing I can do. But the scripture tells us that there is something that you can do. There is hope for tomorrow. And the scripture is telling us tomorrow shall be better. So I must leave. So God, you are mind. I'm spending there because there is nothing that Jesus did like teaching. He taught, he taught. Why? Why did he teach? Why do we believe in teaching? Equipping her. Changing your mindset. Changing the way you're thinking. Changing how you think. Because it is your thinking. Look, most of us are worried about our situation. We want to change everything around us except our mind. But let me tell you, if you work on your mind, everything else will be different. You realize the problem is not where you live. The problem is not the job you have. The problem is not the friends you have. It's how you've been thinking all along. It's how you've been thinking. And people open up. You see, if you enter a relationship thinking that people are always mean, people always want something from you, people always um, want to steal from you, people are always... So you'll always be suspicious. 
And how many know that if you are suspicious of people, they become suspicious of you? But if you believe that God created men in his own image, there is some goodness in people. People will add value. People are good in their core, isn't it? Uh, they just need a chance. They just need an opportunity. They just, you find you re receive a lot of... Most of us change fellowships. But let me tell you, no matter how many fellowships you change, if here is no change, These ones are mean, they are what, they are what. The next place you go, it will be fine for a few months. But after a few months, you see they are very mean, they are very selfish, they are very mind. The loins of your mind. You must change. And number two, he says, fashion yourself not. Isn't it? According to the last. Yes. Ignorance. Ni tamambayo ni upumbavu. Ignorance. The last. Fashion. Mwana fashion is like conforming says, guard the loins of your mind. Guard. Let me tell you something. Do you know, if you sit with people, that is why you must be very careful of the association and the things you listen to. Do you know, if you sit down with people who are always talking negative about authority, it's going to change your attitude against authority? Do you know? Sit with the people who are so... Uh, pessimistic about marriage. Eh? You'll thank God you are not married. Hmm? Thank God I'm not married. And if you are married, you'll be wishing you are not. And, and have you noticed? Look, look. <laughs> and you better try this. If you're married today here, sit in a company of people who talk about, you know, so you are a lady seated next to people who don't believe in men, husbands, nini, nini. As you continue to talk, you are going to see all those characteristics in your husband. All of them. Have you noticed? All of them, like, when they explain you how mean husbands are, how terrible they are, and you ask, how do you know? These are the characteristics of terrible husbands. When they start counting, without ex exception, you see they are describing your husband completely. Do you know that? Sit with parents who do not believe in ch their children. This, today children are like this. The youth nowadays are like this. Children, you cannot tell them. Children, is, hey. in fact, you will tell them, did you come to my house? Because that is exactly my, my daughter. That's exactly my daughter. Okay? But what are they working on? They are working on your mind. The devil did not come and, and pull Eve and put him in a brothel. No. Just talking. Just talking. Talking to Eve. Did God say? Did not, did, formulating his mindset. 
Do you know where we are right now is a result of the mindset we have formed over the years. If you do not disabuse the kind of thinking that you have, you raise your family like that. How many people say, I, I don't want, I'll never be like my father, but they end up being like their father? Because they have not known anything different. Huh? They are just like that. So he says, number two, fashion yourself, not according to the last of this word. Not what we want. No, we must realize, remember the Bible tells us we are pilgrims, isn't it? Now that we are pilgrims, we know we have been sent. The Bible says in John chapter 13, Jesus, knowing where he came from, had been given to him, and that he was, he took a towel, isn't it? Mm. That means it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. He's a servant. And as a servant, you must know, it is not what you want. It is what the master wants. It is not what you think. It is what the master thinks. You are on the face of the earth to serve someone. We are slaves of the cross. My brothers and sisters, let me shock you in this era of liberty and freedom and the westernization of the gospel is liberty, my rights. And No, we come from one slavery to another. He says, in fact, Paul says, I was formerly a slave of sin, but now I'm in. Slave to righteousness. Now, righteousness is the love that I have for God that compels me. Now, it is not what I want. No. That's why for everything, even the little bit that I do, I ask, Master, am I representing you well? Let me tell you the danger of the church. The image that people have of God is painted by the church. You understand? Our how do our community know God? Through the church. So it is the image that we paint for them about God. Okay? So we must know God very well so that to paint him accurately. If we don't paint him accurately, do you know why some of us, uh, some people hate God? They think they hate God, but actually they are hating the church. Because huh? those, those, those people are mean, those people are troublesome, those people are very noisy, those people are, are what? So they, they think they hate God. Kumbe, they are hating what? The it is the church that has wrongly painted who God is. Look, and this is very interesting. Look at every person that has gone to, to has been, um, has grown and brought up in a functional family where the father is a good father. The father has modeled love. The father has modeled selflessness. The father has modeled to this child that I love you no matter what and unconditionally. It is very easy for this person to receive an accurate image of God. 
Because he has learned Father God from his father. Most of us are struggling with our relationship with God because of our relationship with our own fathers. Huh? You don't know how to be loved or to love. <laughs> so when you hear God loves you, you have this as an intellectual idea, something logical, uh, cognitive. You know something that you can grasp logically, but uh, you, your heart has never seen how somebody can be loved. So when God says, I love you, I care for you, you are asking, so what can I do? Because you have been brought up to think that for you to do something, for you to be loved, you need to do something. <laughs> if you become position one in, in, in your term, I will. So his, his love is conditional. You had to do certain things. And you found that in your family, those people who did those things were loved more. So when you come to the place of church, sanctuary, you want to do more. Hmm? And that's why you're exhausted in your love. Seeking for love. Now, that number three says, be holy. Isn't it? Be holy. He didn't say do holiness. He said be. God has power to say be. He said be fruitful. Listen. Your new way of life is to be fast. I don't know if you are receiving that. To be. And God has power to cause you to become. Look. Have you noticed? See, the Gospels have been written. Look, the Gospels have been written centered around three and a half years of Jesus' life, isn't it? Not the 30, 30 years. Just three and a half. And more than 50% of the gospel are sent up about the last months of his ministry. Not the first three. The last six. And majority, 75% of that are centered around his last weeks. So the gospel is just talking about the tiny part. It's like A weeks of his life that is the gospel. But look, when he came, how did he call them? It was not in this big crusade. No. He came in Luke chapter 1 verse 35. And he found Andrew. So he finds John and Andrew. What did he tell them? He said, follow me. Follow me. Uh, 
Do not go to a class. Do not look for the rules and regulations. Do not follow a creed. Do not look for a curriculum. Follow me. Follow And you know now it is Andrew. Now with referral, brought in, it is Andrew who brought in Peter. Look one forty. It is now Peter. Look, Peter, Peter has come. He said, Follow me. Follow me. Now the problem is, when you go three or four verses after that, now <clears throat> you're going to see Philip. And Philip is going to call his brother Nathaniel. And Nathan Philip is going to tell his brother we have found him. In Matthew chapter 1, verse uh, Matthew 1, 40, 43. We have now found him. Isn't it? When he says we have found him, all this, like, it was later in, um, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 13 that he found, uh, uh, that he found James. And then Matthew in Mark chapter 2 verse uh, 13 to 18, he found, finds Matthew to come. Those are eight. The others, we don't have a lot of uh, narration about how they were found. But listen to this. This is the point. He told all of them, follow me. Understand? The problem today is that now when we, we bring them in, we introduce them to our system. We introduce them to the way we do things. Now they have learned our language. They have known our curriculum. They have known the way we talk. They have known our timetable, but they don't know him. They don't know him. But because the only power for transformation is with him, when he says, be fruitful, be whole, it means the power is with him. He's the one that is able to change us. You understand? Now, let me finish with this. He does not just say, be holy. Only be holy. No, he, only, he, also, he also tells us that we are special. That we are not bought by the incorruptible price of silver and of gold. But the blood... That there is, your new way of life is precious. It was, you are redeemed by the incorruptible price. Priceless. And then again, you are born again by the word. Born again by the word. Because he says it is the word of God now that gives you life. Because flower will fade. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. 
but the word of God will live forever. And if you want to live forever, you must be subjected to the word. He's saying, looking unto him that was able to raise him from the dead, so that your faith now is not in men, but your faith is in who? Your hope is in God. Your hope, everything that you have, you believe in God. That is your new conduct, your new behavior. So when somebody is asking, how is your fashion? You are fashioning your life after Christ. When you attend an, an event, a wedding or an inauguration, how do you put on? So you fashion yourself in accordance to... So he says in this life, fashion yourself according to... Arrange yourself, arrange your life in according to the new life. And lastly, he says fear, fear. That means he says, walk in the pilgrim's way, fear, isn't it? Having the fear of a pilgrim, meaning that as a sojourner, the same one that is used working out my salvation with fear and always asking yourself, am I still in the faith? The Bible says, having done all, to do what? Stand. Because you, you, can, you can do everything else and not stand. Wow. Now, I want you to stand on your two feet and we want to make one, one prayer with, in, in one minute. We want to make one prayer. Praise God. I, I don't know if it is your faith is not organized, your disposition is not rejoiced in your trials or affliction, or you've not understood the privilege of your salvation, or you've not fashioned yourself according to the conduct of your new life. You can make a prayer tonight and say, Lord, no matter where the Lord has spoken to you, I might have spoken many words, but maybe the Lord put in your spirit just, just this one word. Come and open your mouth for a minute and just tell Lord, Lord, help me. Help me by your spirit. Fashion me by your spirit in the name of Jesus to walk in your power. Come on from the bottom of your heart. If it is guarding the loins of your mind in the name of Jesus, that my mind shall not be corrupted, my mind shall remain focused on you, my mind shall remain strong, strong, that I shall not allow the enemy to build a stronghold in my mind. The limiting beliefs, those things that defeating ideas, I shall not allow in my mind that I shall build a conquering mindset, a triumphant mindset, a triumphant mindset in the name of Jesus. That I shall know, I shall, my Father, your spirit shall cause me to understand the privilege of my salvation, the grace that you have released upon me. In the mighty name of Jesus, receive praise and glory, O God.
in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we bless you tonight for your children in the name of Jesus. Commend them to you, O oh God, in the name of the Lord. We pray that your anointing and your grace shall be upon them right now. In the name of Jesus, the desire of their heart, you that hearest our cry, answer us, O oh God, according to your word. Oh Lord, come through for us in every way. You know the deepest desire of our heart in the name of Jesus. And every area that your word has illuminated, Lord, I pray that you help us and you cause us to reign triumphant, that we shall overcome, that we change the course of our life but the word of your revelation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen.